What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. We're cooking. Guys, I have one of the biggest and bestest announcements that's ever rained upon the Run Your Mouth people. We uh, closed on a studio space today. Hell yeah. Starting January. Hopefully we'll get the build out done. I can get all this crap outside of my apartment, get some high tech internet, and then hopefully some uh, hire some producer slave from like a third world country that will work for really cheap. And then we can have the greatest news program of all time. So big things coming. Happy holidays. Eat some extra Thanksgiving meal and celebrate the fact that Run Your Mouth is going to be getting out of this apartment. Hey, hey, we might even end up in an area with heat. Big things happening. I'm excited. Uh, you know, stay tuned. Thanks to all the sponsors that make shit like this happen. Yo, Kratom.com, SheathUnderwear.com, PremierFarmer.com. We're stocking up. We're going to have more episodes and uh, all sorts of good stuff. So I'm sharing the good news. You know, Thanksgiving. But listen, don't get too excited because I'm here to tell you that the whole, like, being grateful thing, it's a big-ass psyop. I know I just started the show, and I was saying thank you to you guys for listening and thank you to the sponsors and that I was being grateful, but don't be grateful. All right? I'm taking a stand against gratitude, and this is important. Listen, hear me out here, everybody. Inflation is high. Your family, they probably want more people dead in Gaza. Your sisters, they come home. They got husbands and kids, and they mock you with their beautiful lives and their nice children. And then this holiday, what does it force you to do? It forces you to take in all this stuff and pretend like you're happy about it. And I want to take a stand and say no. Go no. Go, I'm not just going to take it. You know why? Because I'm not a history buff. But from what I understand, we came to this country, we slaughtered the Indians, then we forced them to somehow feed us over the winter so we'd have the energy to re-steal their land. Okay? And instead of us all looking forward and figuring out who we can conquer next with the vindictive can-do attitude of our ancestors, we're sitting around, we're looking at our lot in life, and we're pretending like we're pleased with it. We're pretending like we're okay with our overlords, with them ramming down wars down our throats, stealing our money. And you know what? We have to not be grateful. So this Thanksgiving, reject pretending like everything's fine. And you know, you can make a toast with everyone, but you just want more. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't be suckered in by Thanksgiving because someone else in your family took the time to put together a turkey. Or if you're alone, if you're alone this Thanksgiving and you're sitting around and you're harboring resentments because you don't have a family, that's more fucking American. All right, and now let's talk about turkey pardonings. How the hell are they finding sexy turkeys? Is there some sort of a sexy turkey farm where they're putting makeup onto turkeys, teaching them how to teaching them how to walk down a runway? Is there some person out there fornicating turkeys for better looking turkeys? All right, here's what I got to say about presidential turkey pardonings is that we're doing this all wrong because it would be a lot fucking cooler if the president came out with a samurai sword and chopped off their heads. Like the stock marketing opening bell, if the, if the Biden came out and obviously, you know, you'd probably need a younger president who could actually lift a sword and wouldn't be nervous that you trip over and then accidentally impale himself. But let's like, let's just imagine that we didn't have a president that was a, you know, a walking corpse. You get the turkeys out there some someone comes out, fucking slices off both their heads instantly. Some other guy tosses it up to a dude who's like one of those people at a bocce restaurant just starts working a grill. Next thing you know, there's a camera cut, all sorts of poor kids, American pork kids like the good old-fashioned ones not some recent border kids i'm talking some inner story inner city orphans and we have a giant fucking feast where we feed the poor otherwise what i gotta sit here and feel bad about that i killed a turkey and ate a turkey why does that make any fucking sense what the president's better than me and he gets to pardon turkeys as if we're uh pleased by turkey life if anything that's the way we should kickstart thanksgiving president comes out there with a giant fucking samurai sword slices off some turkey heads and goes it's on baby all right 
Now, let's go, uh, let's take a look at some topics. But before we do, like I said, new studio coming. Thanks to people like YoKratom.com, home of the $60 Kilo. And if you're a fan of the Kilos, if you like the Kilos of Kratom, guess what? They got a once a year sale. I think it's uh, through Cyber Monday or maybe even through next week. You can get yourself two Kilos of Kratom, 50 bucks a pop. Not going to be able to stock up like that at any other point in time. So, uh, you know, support the sponsors, YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. All right, let's start with this. Repulsive and disgusting Wisconsin officials condemn neo-Nazi group after March in Madison. And uh, I look at this, and I'm, I want to ask our, our institutions, I want to ask these Nazis, I want to ask all the powers that be, can we quit wasting our taxpayer dollars on marching Nazis? I mean, it, like, at least put this money into the FBI door opening unit. Those guys were at least getting somewhere. Why do we got to spend? And all right, if uh, if these are actually bona fide Nazis, would Hitler support you guys doing something as gay as just marching? Is that what is that what Hitler would have wanted from you guys is just getting out there wearing matching outfits? I guess I guess Hitler wasn't to matching outfits. He used his artistry to make sure that his military had a uh, well-designed uh, Hugo Hugo Boss suits. Uh, yeah, maybe that's what Hitler would be about. Maybe I have this all wrong. Maybe these maybe these guys should be doing fashion shows and displays of art in the in the name of their Fuhrer. They should be getting, instead of marching on these towns and chanting, why not make strides into what Hitler really cared about, which was better hairdos? Why not sit around and make the nicest of new, you know, uniforms instead of these uh, very simple, I like black and red colors. Like my wonderful sheath hat, promo code RYM, you get 20% off, the greatest underwear that's ever graced the balls of man. But, uh, you know, why not grow out your luscious locks and uh, experiment with with better uniforms and make the the fewer proud? All right, what other news stories we got? Going to be a quick episode, but, uh, you know, I was surprised to find out how easy it is in 2023 to become a pirate. Because you'd think if someone had what looks like it's got to be a couple hundred million dollar, maybe a billion dollar boat, I don't know how much these giant boats are. Apparently, you can just fly a chopper right up to it and there's no John Wick in the basement. You're telling me that every single multi-million dollar boat that's uh, part of a billion dollar cargo industry doesn't have one John Wick in the basement? One super action figure who's just sitting there playing with cards, collecting his thoughts, just waiting for some terrorist to come onto the boat? How are these things just sitting ducks out in the ocean? Look how massive this thing is. And, like, I could have taken this thing out with the, like, this doesn't look like anyone needed any training at all. What, one guy with a pistol? You can just fly your helicopter onto the boat and be in the middle of an open ocean, and I guess the captain will just sit there going, oh, nothing but open skies, open skies. Oh, look, I guess someone's going to drop by with the helicopter, say what's up to us. You don't have a giant giant like gatling gun right in the middle of this thing if you see some i guess what it must be that you know these guys are tied into the mob and so they know no one's gonna fuck with my boat because i guess there's no way to take over the boat and then not have to deal with i guess a seal team showing up before you actually get the boat somewhere i don't know the follow-up to the story uh which i didn't even tell you guys what happened but the uh, houthi rebels i guess decided to take over some boat uh I, I don't know. I just was intrigued by the fact that apparently being a pirate in 2023 is pretty easy. You just If you can get yourself out to a boat with a single gun, they'll just give you the boat. There's like, here's the $100 million boat with all the precious cargo. Enjoy it. You earned it. Rules are rules. You guys showed up. Five whole people with guns. So this is just yours now. Enjoy the boat. What do you think happens to these guys? You think uh, they actually get the boat somewhere? 
Or like, how do you hide a boat of this size? I guess once you steal this boat, I guess if I was stealing boats and I was pirating, I guess you got no choice but just to blow it up and cause problems for other people. I'm guessing that's all you can really do with the boat. Is there anything else that you guys can do with the boat? All right, let's take a couple comments. What do we got going on? Lazy Eye Bear. Thank God for you or else I would lose my mind. Well, you know, I'm happy I could be here for you. Thank God for you letting me know that I helped salvage your mind. Steal the last piece of pie off your nephew's plate. That's not... You know what? My mom makes plenty of pie. I don't think I... It would be fun just to steal his piece of pie for no reason other than just to take it from him. John Smith. Hey, it's Robbie. All right? I, that's confusing. Are you telling me you're Robbie? This is why I come here to see what Hitler thinks. Exactly. You're not going to get those thoughts anywhere else. And then last one from Anon Emos. International laws don't help matters. Even when boats can afford security contractors, they have to chuck their guns out when they check into certain ports. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting that you could be uh, you could be hiring military contractors to support your boat, but then because of international laws, you can't be traveling around with your guns, so you're kind of just stuck being in the open water dealing with pirates. That's interesting. Yeah, I would. You know what? If I was the United States military, I would actually contract to protect your boat, and you let me know what your boat route is, and you know we'll make sure we got some submarines around. You guys, uh, you tell me you can't get choppers on speed dial to come fight off the other choppers. Anyone know anything about this? Rob's newsroom at gmail.com. I'm curious to hear what happened to this boat after they took it. Um, all right. Other news stories. What else we got? Going to be a quick episode. And then I'm going to go get hammered and start getting my Thanksgiving on. This is from the New York Times. U.S. Defense Secretary visits Ukraine in show of support. Lloyd J. Austin III's trip was a gesture of solidarity when progress in the war against Russia has stalled and their concerns about U.S. military aid. Here, let's read the first paragraph. I'm here today to deliver an important message. The United States will continue to stand with Ukraine in their fight for freedom against Russians against aggression both now and into the future, Mr. Austin said. What is this guy, the last liar? He couldn't hire a speechwriter to rewrite whatever his words are? Or he, he's over there. And uh, they're like, listen, this thing's over, but we need someone to make one last run over there and just pretend like we're going to keep sending them money. Did this guy not get the message or does everyone have the storyline wrong and they're going to keep on actually trying to push this thing? I mean, that's got to be a rough spot that you're in, that they're totally unwinding the war and you still get your marching orders of, hey, you got to go over there and still pretend like we're sending them money. Um, next story. Israel-Hamas reached deal to free 50 hostages. All right, so here's my question for all you good folks listening to the Run Your Mouth podcast. Do you think Hamas needed five days of ceasefire so that it can move itself back into the north as uh, as they take the south? Do they have to re-strategize because they're at the brink of failure, that the Israelis are cutting it close? They're actually going to take over management? They need to figure out how to smuggle a couple people out of the country. They need five days of peace just so that they can figure things out. Or, unlike everything we've heard about human shields and blah, 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 do they actually care about their citizens that they're even willing to engage in a prisoner swap? I mean, if you've got a group of people here who so don't care about their civilian lives that they're willing and, you know, they're pushing them as human shields, they're taking all the resources that come into the area, they're shoving it underground, they're not sharing with people... Or are these 150 prisoners that they're getting back the masterminds that they need in order to get back into this fight? 
Uh, here, let's read this from Week Magazine. Israel and Hamas announced Wednesday that they would observe a four-day ceasefire in Gaza to permit a prisoner swap. Under the deal, the Palestinian militant group will release 50 hostages, all women and children, out of the 240 people it seized at deadly October 7th surprise attack in Israel. In exchange, Israel agreed to release 150 Palestinian women and teenagers from its jails. Also makes you wonder who are the people that were jailed and why does Hamas even want them back? Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told his war cabinet that after the, beef tru- the brief truce, the fighting would resume and continue until we achieve our goals. Interesting to even take four days off. Just, uh, you know, four days of rest, and then we're going to go back to bombing your buildings. Um, all right, this is from The Hill, and I don't remember why this is here. Okay, now I do remember. We've been doing ongoing coverage of the Donald Trump court cases, uh, and uh, you've got this one that's going on in New York. And you know how sometimes when you see a crying lady, your, your heart just melts and you instantly just want to go, okay, you must be right. Me and Dave Smith in the hotel, we were watching some, uh, some, some debates with that guy, that Jewish dude who's like just the biggest Jew ever, but is so anti-Israel. I can't remember his name right now. And he was in some thing and some lady was just crying, like some young college kid was just crying and he just let her have it. Where he was like, you can shove those crocodile tears. And then everyone in the entire room gets upset with him. And he just digs into his trench and goes, here's why your position is so rotten. You're anti-human uh, life. My parents actually survived the Holocaust and that's why I'm here defending these people. And he turns it around and he rallies. And I was saying, watching that, that's incredible that he was able to do that because I would see the lady crying and I would just fold. I'd be like, you know what? You're right. But you know what's even harsher than a lady crying? It's a dude crying because everyone's like, you're not supposed to be crying. Make it stop. What do we have to do to make it stop? Why is this guy crying? Norman Finkelstein. Thank you, Anun Amus in the comments coming through for me. But you see a dude crying and everyone's like, I, fine, just make it. Dude, I can't watch you cry. You, dude, what are you doing? Can everyone, court, are we going to take a break right now? That dude's crying. We're taking a break. Is it a funeral? No? All right, we're taking a break. Everyone's taking a break. So apparently, Donald Trump found the greatest witness of all time. He found a dude that was not only willing to cry, but he was willing to cry about how great Donald Trump was and how honest their numbers were. Talk about an Oscar performance. Now, we don't actually get cameras in these courtrooms, so I can't tell you what was going on. But here, let's read it from the Hill. When asked by defense lawyer Jesus, oh, that's a good defense lawyer right there. You got Jesus up on the stand with you. M. Suarez, why he no longer works at the company. McConey appeared to be crying while he discussed his more than 35 years of overseeing finances, the AP reported. I'm very proud of the work that I did, McConley told the New York court, before recounting the investigations and legal proceedings that has been subpoenaed for or called to testify in per the AP. I just want to relax and stop being accused of misrepresenting assets for the company that I loved working for. I'm sorry, McConey said with a trembling voice. McConey worked at the Trump Organization from 1987 until this past February, telling the court he retired and received a total of $500,000 in seven payments. The former accountant also testified last month when called by James' office, where he explained how he and other executives determined asset values and argued were legitimate. On Tuesday, McConey testified that he never meant to mislead anyone or to be inaccurate, adding he felt comfortable with the company's valuations. Pretty good testimony. Showing up, crying about how much he loved Trump, how much he loved working for the company, but because he's being demonized in the news for bad numbers that he still stands by, he's stepping down. Wonder how that second half of that trial is going. Let's come back. Let's do this story last because it's a little bit more of a read. And this one's a little bit out of order. But Israel to shift south in Gaza, opening tougher tougher phase of war. Uh, so 
they dropped all these leaflets. They tried to fight. They tried to fight, force everyone out of the north so that they could uh, weed through the streets and uh, uproot Hamas. And now they're shoving them all into the south and telling them that they got to go even further south. I don't know where all these people are supposed to go. Uh, I also don't know how Israel has been able to, I guess, go through the area and how I wonder how effective they've been at actually dismantling all these uh, underground tunnels that we've been hearing about and how successful they've been at actually clearing out Hamas or if Hamas just continually is just being funneled and sifted into the tighter quarters with the box of civilians. And then you end up with a uh, such a highly concentrated group. You can't possibly get them almost like a, like a, like an infestation. Maybe with it, maybe this, uh, I, I'm, I'm describing the terrorist Hamas as an infestation. I'm not talking about uh, the human beings. You got to make these things clear platitudes and gratitudes, even though I've already come out as being pro killing babies. But you know what I'm trying to say is like you shove them all back into the nest and then you can't get the last of them and they just re-expand out. All right. If you shove the morality aside, uh, of killing civilians, which you're like, how can you possibly shove the morality outside? Cause I'm trying to ask a question. Okay. Quit being so autistic and, uh, and pro-human. Let's just have a moment here and think about this things. Is there a possibility that I guess, uh, Israel actually enacts such a cost specifically on Hamas? I'm not talking about the citizens. I'm not talking about the human being like the, I'm talking about that. They actually uproot so much of the infrastructure that the people built, they get rid of enough of the arms and they get rid of enough of the leadership that uh, maybe as this thing cools down, uh, you know, Hamas is actually a little bit cooler to work with. Or do you think that they just end up in vindictive for all of history? They kick the beehive and then continuously all the other Arab and Muslims countries just continue to hate Israel more. Of course, we have yet to see the, uh, the after plan once the war is over of uh, what Israel's got planned for the area. My guess is they're just going to uh, probably just leave it and, you know, see if maybe the U.N. or someone else wants to negotiate to have uh, a different leadership team in there. But my guess is going to be the win for them is uh, trying to do everything I can to clear out Hamas and go, all right, you can have this back. And then just going back to keeping the area, you know, treating it the way they were treating it and with an attitude of, hey, fucking try me, bitches. Uh, and then hoping that they enacted such a price on the region that, you know, They'll at least have enough time before, I guess, the next terrorist attack that they could pretend like the uh, the initiatives uh, had worked in keeping them in check. But I guess we'll have to see how it all plays out. And I don't really understand, uh, I guess, what the strategy is from the more human perspective of what's expected from all the people in the area as you kind of continuously funnel them into smaller places. But hey. Got 50 hostages back, four days of uh, peace in the area. Who knows? Maybe they don't even go back in and continue fighting. Let's take a couple comments. How do you feel about Thanksgiving food, Robbie? I myself prefer an average steak or burger to the best cooked turkey. Have a great Thanksgiving. Ah, this is a tough take. You've put up a question for the ages, moderately amused. Something I don't even know if I can ponder on the fly, which forces me to stall at this very moment. All right, listen, it's hard to beat an excellently cooked steak. It's hard to do that. We all love a good steak. You go to a good steak place. It's hard to beat that. But there is something to special moments, to novelty, to experiencing something different. Like for example, if you were to offer me a steak or a hot dog and a beer, am I picking a hot dog and a beer? No. Is it a hot dog and a beer at a ball game? Now maybe we're talking. Is it a hot dog and beer where I'm out like uh, tailgating with the pals? 
maybe we're talking. You know what I mean? So there's certain things that it's the combination of the experience more than just the food themselves. And now if I had to step in and defend any single item as being a pro Thanksgiving thing, dude, a Thanksgiving Day sandwich is an excellent sandwich. And now more often than not, the good Thanksgiving sandwiches are coming from garbagey type places. It's very rare that you're going to be at a holiday meal and be able to slice yourself good turkey with a cranberry sauce on the right bread to really have a good Thanksgiving Day sandwich. If you can, that is a win. I stand behind the Thanksgiving Day sandwich. Every once in a while, I'll see in my, uh, my, my grocery store over here, they have in the rotisserie check-in, uh, the rotisserie like chicken section, they'll have turkey. And I'll do it. I'll get myself canned, canned, uh, canned cranberries. I'll get myself a good bread. I'll get myself the turkey. And you make yourself a good Thanksgiving Day sandwich. That's actually good year round. So I've got to defend of the Thanksgiving foods that for one, there's something nice about sitting around with the family. And there is something nice about the particular experience of, hey, we're kind of all going with the. It's like pumpkin shit. You know, this goes down the run-your-mouth archives of one of the first gripes that me and Yosef ever brought up on the show was that they took the pumpkin thing a little bit too far. That for the one month, you were experiencing pumpkin flavors, pumpkin this, pumpkin this. It was nice. It was exotic. It was seasonal. It felt the, it, it fit with the ambiance. But once people started getting too greedy and they started bringing the pumpkin shit into my August, you're ruining the flavor of the pumpkin, right? So like if I went to a steak place and they started offering me Thanksgiving food, that doesn't fucking make sense. Thanksgiving food makes sense on Thanksgiving. And if I walked into your house and you said, hey, it's Thanksgiving and we're doing giant fucking steaks, I'm not going to complain. I mean, I will, because I'm Jewish. I complain about everything, and that's kind of what I do. But, like, if it's on Thanksgiving, I kind of want Thanksgiving stuff. We, you guys all know what I'm describing. If I go to the, uh, I'm not that into wine, but if I go to, like, the, the, the Italy wine shop, I kind of want to try wine. I probably don't want to have a whiskey there. You know what I mean? And I drink whiskeys. So what I'm saying is that the combination of the experience along with the food is what makes Thanksgiving, like, uh, a good day. And so, yes, I guess if I walked into a restaurant and the chef said I can make you anything in the entire world, uh, Thanksgiving turkey is not going to be my top pick. If you go to a diner and they actually have a good Thanksgiving sandwich, I'm probably going to eat that over the diner steak. Uh, here's what I like to do on Thanksgiving. Firstly, my family does lunch, which is a good time. I try and get a workout in the morning. I try and get my news read. I go over to the parents' house. and You just get, you get to day drink, dude. I never day drink. You just have some cocktails in the afternoon, hang out, overeat. Sometimes I wake back up. I even have leftovers. Um, typically speaking, none of the, the, the desserts are kind of where I'm at on Thanksgiving. My mom does it big. I respect the way my mom does it. And there's always a whole table of just desserts. I get to try this pie. I get to eat this cookie. I'll work that entire dessert table. And that's what I'm all about. And so, you know, the Thanksgiving foods... Whatever. I throw a little turkey. I make myself a little turkey sandwich. It's neither here nor there. Sometimes some like sausage seems to work its way into the mix. I don't really know why or how. I've definitely seen that before and that will get me excited. And uh, we, we're, we're, we've been on this topic too long. But thank you. It was a good one. Um, all right. Here we go. Goalie 171. Stuffing should be a year-round food. You know, I feel like stuffing can be, that's what I'm thinking, sausage. I've had like sausage inside of stuffing, like a stuffing with sausage in it, and that pairs really well with turkey. And you know what? You're right. I bet stuffing, like a really good stuffing, 
might even work with like certain like some steaks maybe not maybe it's overdoing it i gotta give this some thought because i do feel like there's other foods that would pair well with stuffing and it's uh it's almost uh not being used enough all right let's take a couple uh do a couple more topics uh before we do let's plug premierpharma.com if you've got an independent hospital doctor's office, you want to get cheaper generic drugs to your patients, partner with premierpharma.com, might even be some profits in it for you. I don't know the whole thing. I am not fixing healthcare over here. I don't know the way everything works, but I do know the good people at premierpharma.com trying to get you some of your patients some cheaper generic drugs and, uh, you know, dip into those profit margins of your big CVSs, shooting coupons around itself, circular economy, just printing money, getting on the action. Mike Lindell, supposedly reported by Zero Hedge, Beaker News, I've never heard of Becker News. If I was reading about, uh, you know, election fraud of Becker News, I'd be like, this is a whole bunch of nonsense. But Mike Lindell, he's been out there. I can't even sell, I'm doing Biden. I, you know, I hear Mike Lindell, I can do Mike Lindell. But anyways, he's out there, he's giving up selling pillows. He's been full fraud, full-fledged. I'm going to prove this voter fraud out there yelling about voter fraud. And apparently, there was a court case that actually, uh has opened up the door to that maybe Mike Lindell and all the voter fraud stuff wasn't completely crazy. Now, before I read anything from this, it sounds like the judge was basically saying that there are equipment flaws that could lead to security problems and that people that were saying that there could be security problems here are not purely conspiracy theorists because there are clear uh, problems with these machines as indicated by experts. I'm giving my summary based on beckernews.com, a website I've never seen or heard of, uh, but it was linked in reference. Uh, maybe this was not linked on Zero Hedge. Maybe I was trying to find the source material and I just ended up here. Um, claims that there were potential issues is not proof that there were actual issues. Now, yes, it's slightly validating to have a court actually say, hey, let's not pretend like all of this uh, equipment is perfect. Um, but even though they were presenting this as the newest and bombshell and vindication, uh, it doesn't seem like they've actually come forward with proof of the voter fraud, just the proof of the fact that voter fraud could have occurred because this is not perfect equipment. Uh, and before I read the article, I was also wondering if maybe this was referencing Dominion machines uh, and if that would play into the Fox uh, defamation case, which already occurred, or if this was talking about different equipment. All right, let's read this from Becker News. Critically, the court denied the criticism of security flaws with Georgia's voting machines are based purely on conspiracy theories. The court notes that the that the record of evidence does not suggest that the plaintiffs are conspiracy theorists of any variety. Indeed, some of the nation's leading cybersecurity experts and computer scientists have provided testimony and affidavits on behalf of plaintiff's case in the long course of this litigation, the judge's footnote remarked. The district court then laid out several established objections to the 2020 election. I was reading through the objections, and it was just the potential for the machines to be hacked, the potential of, like, I don't even know. Maybe that was an overstep when I said the potential of the machines to be hacked. And you know what? Maybe I should have actually taken notes on the things. But I was reading through it, and it was all a discussion of potential issues, not proof that those actual issues um, took place. All right. Um, Reuters. UK PM Sunak reportedly said, let's just let people die. COVID inquiry hears. This is something that we've actually spoken about more than once on the show of uh, apparently people in the higher ups of the uh, British government understanding that COVID was not worth shutting down an economy for. 
that if you're actually in charge and supposed to make decisions for your country and for your society, and you got to actually take the risk reward of things like shutting down economies and shutting down and having kids out of school and forcing new vaccines and all the other things that took place. And I assume that all these things took place in England as well. There were certain leaders, including Boris Johnson, that said, hey, this is killing old people above the median age of death. Why am I going to shut down my entire country or economy for this? And apparently the current uh, prime minister had a similar attitude, which once again raises the question of if there were so many people, the higher ups or people in government that were able to have an understanding that the shutdown and otherwise were a mistake. One, why are they still being criticized for being right? Isn't that insane that after the fact you do a look back and you go, oh, these people actually had a right. Look at how insensitive they were. How can they be in charge now when they actually got that thing right? And two is why weren't they able to actually they were elected to be in charge. They were elected to make these decisions. Why did they feel pressure to make bad decisions? All right. Um, Binance had its problem taken out. I wonder when they're going to finally come for the Winklevoss Butt Brothers. And now let's do one last topic. This one's a little bit more homework, but as Frank Zappa used to say at the end of albums, it's good for you. Uh, I'm fascinated by all the blunders we've made in the name of of green energy investments. I actually wonder if everything green energy is almost like a deal with the devil where these dirty, stupid leftists, they like to pretend like, hey, we're gonna do this thing that's beneficial for the environment. And then every single time it somehow ends up being worse. What is it about green energy that it seems so wholesome? It seems like, hey, can't we be a little bit kinder to our environment? Can't we just uh, try and invest in technologies that won't have pollution? that won't do this bogus global warming carbon dioxide thing. It seems so wholesome. What is it about the fabric of uh, the wholesomeness of green energy that it all seems to be a deal with the devil that no matter how hard you try, no matter how many resources you put into it, you always end up with unintended consequences or you know just overlooking or not caring that uh, seems to get it even worse. Um, all right, guys. Last sponsor on the show, sheathunderwear.com. Use promo code RYM. Oh, you actually don't need the promo code. It's the giant holiday sale. Go load up and send Robert an email. Send him a tweet. Take pictures of your giant, massive underwear hauls and let him know, hey, I heard about you on the Run Your Mouth podcast. I love my sheath underwear. I will be loading up personally on the Long Johns, which is my favorite sheath underwear product. And I can't more, more highly recommend, I was never a Long John's person in my entire life. I would never think to wear Long John's. He sent me a pair. One time I tried on and I said, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. So if you're actually a fan of Long John's, go make that investment. Load up for the holiday promotion. I think it's going through Cyber Monday. It's going to be the biggest discount they do all year. Take a picture of your giant massive underwear haul and send it to Ed Bobby the Bank. Let him know that you heard about me, heard about him here. All right, let's take a couple comments and then do this last article. People or businesses that turn on heat when it's above 50 degrees outside are diagnosed psychopaths. I agree. Omega Suprema cheese. I feel like we got to get back to sandwich discussions and why the Reuben is the best. You can't put the Reuben in as number one. I'm okay with it being in the top five. And uh, listen, the Run Your Mouth Enterprises, as we invest in the studio, is also in negotiation talks with the original co-host to uh, hopefully make an appearance and, uh, you know, tell us about all the sandwiches he's been eating in the four years um, since he uh, invited us to his, uh, you know, his porch without furniture, and then we had a falling out. So, uh, you know, still friends in real life. But anyways, you know, hopefully, yeah, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. 
Why don't you guys send me all the sandwich questions that you guys have had over the last couple of years? I will bring back my uh, resident co-host and expert. Maybe we'll even do the first uh, episode from the from the old studio. We'll pretend like I'm doing a full news broadcast, and we'll just do a good old school hour of sandwiches. All right, and then Omega Supreme uh, with cheese. Do sub count as sandwiches? If so, my favorite is a toasted meatball sub. You see, I, I gotta take Omega. I gotta take moderately amused on this one, everybody. I'm just saying, if you're like, uh, I'm not uh, like, listen, I love, I love a good Reuben sandwich, but it's, it's not just not beating out the meatball sub. All right, here we go. This is the last article of the day. Uh, wind giants woes rattle U.S. market. The poster child for the wind power revolution was supposed to help build the U.S. clean energy future. It's messy pullback from the Northeast is threatening those aspirations. Denmark's national oil and gas company, now known as Orsted, bet big on renewables a decade ago. It renounced fossil fuels, renamed itself after 19th century physicists, and embarked on a debt-fueled expansion, becoming the biggest offshore wind developer outside China. Surfing investor enthusiasm for all things green, Orsted surpassed BP in market value early in the, pand in the pandemic. The U.S. was a hotbed of activity which drew Orsted into making a play at dominating the uh, nascent, nascent, I don't know that word, wind market. The company lined up high-profile projects off the East Coast championed by Democratic-led states with ambitious climate targets. Much of that work is at risk of running aground. The company's cancellation of two New Jersey wind farms on Halloween drew charges of incompetence from the governor and sparked what could be a $300 million legal spat. In New York, a pricing dispute threatens to delay Albany's renewable energy goals. A New England utility partner is trying to unload stakes in three joint projects. Suppliers across the region are in limbo. Orsted might need to cancel. More projects sell parts of wind farms or cut its dividend or issue stock to shore up its balance sheets analysis, an investor said. Any turnaround will come under a new C-suit, C-suit, I don't know that either, after the chief financial officer and chief operating officer stepped down last week. Orsted stock has plunged more than 75% from its high in 2021, including a roughly 19% drop this interest rate lifted as interest rates lifted financing costs, creating an East Coast network of factories, ports, transmission lines, and interconnection facilities, all while companies await a glacial permitting processes proved easier said than done. Even in Europe, a capital-intensive industry that thrived when rates were low and costs fell year after year is in trouble. I don't think we're out of the woods, said Manuel Losa of Pictal Assets Management, who sold Orsted shares in 2021. We're going to read two more paragraphs, and then you guys get the point. Orsted was more vulnerable than most to a surge in inflation and rates because stiff competition drove down power prices and expected returns from offshore wind projects, former executives said. Some analysts said higher prices planned. All right, this is getting boring. But uh, I was like highlighting the stories of the failures of these people trying to go, yep, we can just run wind. You know what's going to end up happening? You're going to end up with these like just vacated wind farms with these uh, stupid things, these eyesores that are up on the land that, uh, you know, they're just going to become decrepit. They're going to end up falling down and killing wildlife. And, uh, you know, you're going to have uh, beached whales. You're going to have whales with their things all fucked up because they're hearing the noises. They're going to be getting electrocuted underwater. And uh, over time, hopefully we'll be able to take some of these environmentalists and just go, ha fucking idiots. All right, that's the show. Thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we might be back on Friday uh, with... Uh, with another episode, we might not. I might really do Thanksgiving big and enjoy the day off with the family, in which case we'll be back next week, Monday, with a brand new episode. Uh, guys, Poughkeepsie, New York, this uh, Saturday. 
with uh, the hometown team, BK Chris and Dave Smith. That's going to be a hell of a show. Uh, got the shell coming up and then uh, might be loading up the calendar with a lot more dates coming soon. Thanks for hanging out with us. RobbieTheFire.com. Sayonara. <laughs>